Celebrity cosmetic dentist, Dr. Bill Dorfman has been practicing for over 30 years in the Beverly Hills area and has had a career unparalleled to any other dentist in history. He has transformed the smiles of celebrities such as Katy Perry, Usher, Anthony Hopkins, Fergie, Hugh Jackman, Michael Strahan, Jessica Simpson, Mark Wahlberg, among many others. Dr. Bill was the only dentist featured on ABC's hit show, Extreme Makeover, and is currently a recurring guest co-host on the CBS Emmy awarded daytime talk show, The Doctors. Referred to as the Michael Jordan of dentistry, he has also appeared on numerous TV shows, including Larry King Live, Oprah, Access Hollywood, E, Extra, and Entertainment Tonight. As the founder of Discus Dental, one of the world's leading dental companies, he helped lead the company from its inception to more than 1.3 billion in sales, primarily with award-winning tooth whitening products such as Zoom and Bright Smile. Dr. Bill has received 20 Lifetime Achievement Awards, two Guinness Book of World Records, is a New York Times best-selling author, and recently was the first dentist ever knighted by the Royal Order of Constantine. As a passionate philanthropist, together with country singer Garth Brooks and the Crown Council of Dentists, he has helped raise more than $44 million for children's charities. Dr. Bill is also the founder of the nonprofit LEAP Foundation. LEAP is a week-long motivational leadership program taught at UCLA every summer to more than 400 students between the ages of 15 and 25. More than just a dentist, Dr. Bill Dorfman is an author, entrepreneur, philanthropist, TV personality, health and fitness enthusiast, proud father of three daughters, and much more. This was a fun conversation for me because his LEAP program is something that speaks to my soul. The fact that he is helping to steer so many young minds in the right direction at an early age is something that speaks to me and is something that I hope to actually assist him with in the future. Thank you once again for listening. Now sit back and enjoy this great conversation with Dr. Bill Dorfman. Dr. Bill, welcome. Thank you. How are you? Great. So it's a pleasure to have you here. With a lot of the guests that I have on, I really like to give the audience uh, an idea of who you are and not just jump into where we are today. Um, so if can you give us some background of your timeline, you know, how you decided to get into dentistry, you know, where you grew up, just kind of bring us up to today is as slow or as fast as you want to. Sure. Uh, I am a, a native of California. I grew up in Granada Hills. Um, as a little kid, I happened to have a, an accident where I knocked out my baby teeth. We had a great family dentist. And at some point, uh, I just thought this would be a cool thing to do and help people the way he helped me. And so uh, at the age of about three, I said, I'm going to be a dentist. And it just never wavered. I was a weird kid. Uh, I mean, how many kids want to be a dentist, right? Um, but I've always been weird. And I've always kind of marched to the beat of a different drum. Uh, I, I, I never felt like I fit into any like group or peg. I just kind of always did my own thing. 
I, I was like a, the Switzerland of a kid. I was friends with everybody, but not really part of anything. You know, like I swam, but I wasn't always with the swimmers and I played football, but I wasn't with the football players and I was a student government, but like, I just was kind of a, a free spirited kid that didn't really, um, I, I didn't really uh, like do what most normal kids do. I, I don't know. It, it was funny. I, I had this conversation with my parents recently and I said, you know, how was I as a kid? Like, was I easy to raise, hard to raise? And they're like, you were perfect. Like you, <laughs> I, and, and you know, and I honestly don't ever remember. I never argued with my parents. I never got into trouble. I was a weird kid. I just, I always just kind of did what I was supposed to do. I guess it was in my mind, like the, the path of least resistance. I didn't smoke. I didn't drink. I didn't do drugs. Like, I mean, I, I always kind of just did what I was supposed to do. And I was a happy-go-lucky guy. And, um, you know, I, I went through school. And it's funny because I was always voted most likely to succeed in, in kindergarten, in grade school, in junior high, in high. And I was like, why do people always say that? I, I don't know. It was just a weird thing, even in dental school. And, um, you know, we grew up really poor. I mean, you know, I was one of five kids. Uh, I started working when I was five years old. Uh, I had a job. I, I worked in, in, the, in, in the yard, you know, for neighbors. I would go pick weeds. And then when I was old enough to push a lawnmower, I would pull weeds and do the lawnmower. And then when I got a little bit older, I got a job working at Ralph's, which is a grocery store. And then um, I worked as a janitor. My mother was a nursery school teacher. And so I would go after school and I would work as a janitor and clean the schools. And, you know, my parents, I would say we were rich, rich, rich in love, poor in <laughs> monetary things. <laughs> and maybe that was good, you know? I mean, I literally supported myself. Uh, I mean, outside of buying food, all my clothes, everything I wanted, I just, I bought, you know? Um, it's funny cause I have three daughters and I almost feel like when they got into college, I got into college too, because I was so active in, you know, helping them, you know, write their entrance stuff and da -da. like my parents had no idea. You know, one day I got a letter. I'm like, Hey mom, dad, I'm going to UCLA. They're like, Oh, that's great, sweetie. They had no clue. <laughs> you know, I mean, it was just, that's just how it was. I was a really independent kid. I just did my own thing. I remember um, graduating UCLA. I got a call from the dean's office and I was awarded the Outstanding Senior Award, which is kind of a big deal, right? Yeah. So I, I, I call my folks. I'm like, mom, dad, I, 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 you know, get on the phone. They're both on the phone. I'm like, you won't believe this. I said, what? I said, well, I, I just got a call from the dean's office and I, I'm going to be the outstanding senior in UCLA graduating class. My mother says, what's not to believe? <laughs> I, they picked me. There's 10,000 students. Right. She goes, darling, do you really think there's somebody better? That's awesome. I'm like, mom, you're like totally missing. My parents had no idea. And it was actually kind of funny, you know? And... Um, you know, so I, you know, I kind of went through and 
I graduated UCLA. I, I finished, you know, um, going to UCLA, and then I, I got into dental school. Um, I, my first choice was UOP Dental, which was a great school. It was a three-year program. And as I was entering my senior year, I realized, you know, I've never seen the world or anything, actually. I, I had never even really been on an airplane. And it's like, I'm going to open up this practice and be tethered to a specific area. Like, I didn't want to do that. So I did some research and I found a program in Switzerland that um, was the only clinic literally in the world that wasn't a third world country where an American dentist could work legally. Problem is there were 400 applicants and only one position. And I was bound and determined to get that. So I had every professor in my dental school write me a letter of recommendation. And they were amazing letters. You know how I know? I wrote them all. <laughs> I mean, True. basically, I would say, can you write me a letter? And they'd be like, oh, no, I have to write yeah. another letter. And I'd say, I'll write it if you'll personalize it. So I did that. And I soon realized that was getting me nowhere. So then I started calling the director of the clinic. Back in 1983, this was not easy. We didn't have cell phones. You know, I, you know, I couldn't make long distance phone calls from my dental school. You know, <laughs> what am I going to like keep putting quarters? Like <laughs> a lot of the millennials don't even know this. You actually used to have to put money in a pay. Exactly. Phone, right? I was there. Right? So like there was, you couldn't use a credit card. Like I, I mean, none of this. So I would have to time it at home. And, and even then it wasn't easy. A lot of times you couldn't get through. It didn't work and da, da, da. But anyhow, I started calling him and calling him. And um, I tell kids, and we'll talk about my LEAP program a little later on, there will be life-defining moments in your life. Uh, sometimes you plan them, sometimes you don't, sometimes they just happen. And uh, this was one that I, I really didn't plan, but it was so fortuitous that it happened. And I'm on the phone with the director, his name was Monsieur Schreier. And uh, I said, as I realized I was getting nowhere with these uh, phone calls, uh, can I take you to lunch? Because I had heard somewhere that like, you should take people to lunch. Yeah. <laughs> and the crazy thing is, and he said it, he goes, but you're in San Francisco and I'm in Switzerland. I'm like, no problem, I'll fly there. Which was even crazier because I was broke. <laughs> like I had no money. I couldn't even afford like the 30 cents to go on the bus every day to school. That's how <laughs> broke I was. I would walk like two miles. And so he said, yes. And I figured out a way to borrow money. And I went to Switzerland. Wait, but don't go past I, this point. Wait, I want to know what you told your parents when you, when you said, I'm going to Switzerland to take the head of the department at the dental school out to lunch. I want to know what your parents said to that. They thought it was a great idea. That's incredible. Good luck. You know, That's I mean, awesome. they had no clue. So anyhow, I did it. Um, there was a girl that I had been friends with my whole life that, you know, I had kind of hoped that I would marry one day. That never happened, but we're still best friends. But I took her with me and um, I figured if I really got stuck on words, she was very talkative and she could help me out. But the two of us took him to lunch and he hired me. That's and incredible. it literally changed my life. I mean, 
I got an opportunity to live in Europe for two years. I learned how to ski. Je peux pas français, avant je peux pas, rien du tout. Um, I'm completely fluent in French. I, wow. I, I, and I was really not gifted in languages in school. Um, I mean, it was, and I still have, I have a godson in Switzerland. I mean, and I still have very close friends there. So it was a great, great, great experience for me. And it really gave me an opportunity to see the world. Uh, I came back to LA. Uh, I really became enamored with cosmetic dentistry as opposed to just general dentistry. Um, and so I did something that we also teach at LEAP. It's called Coffee Genius. I realized that the last thing Beverly Hills needed was another cosmetic dentist. So I found the five most successful cosmetic dentists and I called all of them and I said, can I come and shadow you? Shadowing wasn't even a thing back then. Like, they, well, they're what? <laughs> Do what? Yep. I'm like, no, I'm coming to watch you. And, and I did. And, you know, there weren't a lot of students at the time doing this, but they all five of them said the same thing to me. You're really different. I think what they were saying in a nice way is you're weird, but they're like, you're really different. You know, because students would come in and watch me do dentistry and leave. That's not what I did. What I did was I went in, I wanted to see how they brought the patients in, the intake forms, what they said to the patients, how they brought them back to the treatment rooms, how they presented the treatment, and then how they performed the treatment. And then how they took the patient out of the room, how they collected money. I wanted to get paid, you know, and learn. I didn't know how to collect money from people. Are you kidding? In dental school, they teach you how to drill teeth. And in the clinic in Switzerland, I didn't have to deal with money. I just did the work. So I wanted to learn how a business ran and all that. And I sat there like a sponge in these offices. And my goal was to make an office better than theirs, to take the best of the best from all of these these guys and make a better dental office. And within two years, I did it. You know, I had the busiest and probably still have the busiest dental office in all of Beverly Hills because I copied genius. And, I, and, and that's what I did on Instagram. You know, when Instagram became popular, I didn't just do it. I hired a whole team. I'm the only dentist in the world with a million followers on Instagram, you know? I didn't just do it. I, you know, one of the things I teach at LEAP, when you go, go big. And that's what I do. If I'm going to do something, I commit and I do it. So, you know, I started this dental practice. Soon after that, I started a company called Discus Dental, where I invented Zoom. And, um, you know, we grew that company from zero to $1.3 billion in sales. And I did it by hiring a great team. You know, my best friend, Robert Heyman, was my business partner. And, um, you know, he was a genius. And, you know, his father was Fred Heyman, who created Beverly Hills, Giorgio Cosmetics, 273. That was all Fred. So wow. Robert grew up in that industry. So he knew marketing and manufacturing and advertising. I knew dentistry and advertising. And together we built the largest tooth whitening company in the world. Zoom became huge. It became the number one tooth whitening product in the world. And then we sold that company to Philips um, back in 2010. And you know, since then I've been um, the featured dentist on ABC's Extreme Makeover, CBS The Doctors, New York Times bestselling author, um, 20 Lifetime Achievement Awards, three children, 
two ex-wives. It's been a real ride. Incredible. And so I have to ask you, and this is for the entrepreneurs in the audience, because the, the question that would come to my mind is you're fresh back in the States from Switzerland, and you decide that you're going to plant roots in probably one of the most expensive real estate areas in the world. How do you start up a dental office in the heart of Beverly Hills? So I basically didn't put all my eggs in one basket. I grew up in Granada Hills. The difference between Granada Hills and Beverly Hills is astronomical. The only commonality is the word hills, right? <laughs> but I didn't know where I would really thrive more. Um, you know, I had the advantage in Granada Hills of all the people I grew up with living there and coming to me, you know, but I, I love the allure of Beverly Hills. So I worked as an associate in two different dental offices. So it didn't cost me anything. I, I, I was a, you know, a hired gun. I would go in and work and bring in patients. And I soon realized that I loved cosmetic dentistry. I loved the mentality of people in a businessy area like Century City and, you know, and not so much kind of like family dentistry. And so I pretty much closed down the office in Granada Hills, worked in, in Century City. And the plan was I was working with an older fellow to buy him out. Well, as, um, as we started getting closer and closer to the buyout date, I think my enthusiasm became infectious and he decided he didn't want to quit anymore. Oh. And he was very sweet. And he said, you know, Bill, he said, you can do this by yourself. He said, you don't need to buy my practice. I'm going to stay here. Open up your own practice. You have enough pay. I had more patients than he did after oh, wow. just two years. And so I did. It was really fortuitous. The, the dentist right next door to us moved out of the building. And so there was a completely furnished dental suite. I didn't have to do any build out at all. All of the plumbing, the gas, the suck, everything was there. So I was really lucky. I moved into that suite. It was on the 11th floor of my building. And um, the only thing I needed was all the dental equipment, you know, the chairs and the lights mm -hmm. and this. And then another stroke of luck, um, there was a dentist um, in our building who was four or five flights above me who passed away and there was a fully furnished dental office up there uh, of all this equipment and the building didn't know what to do with it and it was a mess it was a mess so I went up there and uh, and I had it evaluated and assessed I was going to try and take out a loan or something and um, the appraisal came in at close to $75,000 for all that. Um, I had $3,000 in the bank at the time. I mean, that's it. And so I, I went and I spoke to the, the owner of our building. And I said, listen, you know, I've been up on, you know, uh, in that suite and it's, it's, it's a mess. I mean, and it was, it was really disgusting and dirty. And the, I said, I will empty the suite. I will take all of the equipment. I will clean everything up and get it ready for you to rent. And I'll give you $3,000 cash. And he said, fine. Wow. That's and I crazy. still, I still have a lot of those instruments. And I, this is 40 years I've been practicing. I have 
all the surgical, like for extractions. And like, I have all that stuff still in my office with that doctor's name engraved in it. But that was how I really opened up my office. I, I had no budget. I had no ad budget. Like I couldn't advertise, but I realized something. And as an entrepreneur, I would say, you need to sit back, look at your situation and really think outside the box. And this is what I did. I thought, okay, I'm in Century City. There is a five block radius of buildings around my office with 20,000 people coming to work every day, right? Mm -hmm. We know on average that 50% of those people don't have a regular dentist, okay? So that's, you know, what was, I, I, I'm sorry, it was 50,000 people in that area. Mm -hmm. So that's 25,000 people don't have a regular dentist that work for me. Of those 25,000, 80% of them work in companies with dental insurance. So they don't even have to pay anything. They just need to come in. And because I'm so close, they can walk over. They wouldn't have to drive. So what I did is I hired five kids from Beverly Hills High School, which is right next door to my dental office. And I made up these flyers for, I think I paid 300 bucks. And I had them put a flyer in every single office in Century City. Now, this was way before 9-11. So there was no restrictions. Right. You could go. And so basically by doing that, the flyer gave people a, you know, a great first time offering to my office. If they had dental insurance, it was free. And I got something like 80 patients the very first month. And with, we continued to do that. And so we were basically getting patients in two ways, internal and external. Internal was taking the patients that came in, giving them the greatest dental experience we could and asking them to refer friends. And then externally going out and putting out more and more and more flyers and bringing in patients. The next month, I got something like 100 new patients. And honestly, since then, I have probably had no less than 90 new patients a month my entire career. And there were, I mean, and the average dentist probably gets like 20. But I have never not been busy, even during the pandemic we've been busy. I'm busier now than I've been in years because I always say I invented Zoom and people think I invented the video conference one. It was, <laughs> but people are sitting on Zoom looking at their smile going, yep. ah, I'm not really happy with that. I'm doing more cosmetic dentistry right now than I've ever done in my life. It's, it's a That's boom. Crazy. And when, but you said when you started your practice, it, you were going to concentrate on cosmetic surgery. So were all of these new patients coming in just for cosmetic stuff, not for cleanings? Or were you doing well, that also? First of all, it wasn't cosmetic surgery. It was cosmetic dentistry. Okay. But as a cosmetic dentist, yeah, we do regular dentistry okay. too. We do fillings okay. and crowns and cleanings and everything else that you need to do to maintain your oral care. But the focus of my of my practice, the thing that really differentiates me from, you know, most dentists is the fact that, you know, that I do, you know, cosmetic dentistry and I have a very high profile, you know, clientele for that. Yep. So that's my next question. You led right into it perfectly is how did you get like with any entrepreneur? Obviously, if you provide a really great service, 
you're going to get talked about, right? And to automatically, you're going to get known. And like for my business, I have an entertainment booking agency here in Scottsdale and Phoenix. Somebody writes to me, calls me, they, they have an answer within an hour. So I'm known for my response time. And then the product I deliver is a very high product. With you, how did you get that first step into the clientele that you now have? So there's a few things. Uh, first of all, you know, you said something, you said you automatically get known. Wrong. You don't <laughs> automatically. Get no, known. you do it yourself. You, right. You, it takes work. Yep. You know, I was really fortunate early on in my career. There's a woman that I went to high school with that I was very close with who came in and needed a lot of dental work and said, Hey, do you want a barter? what? Like, I didn't even know what a barter was. Yep. I was so naive when it came to business. And then I said, well, what do you do? She goes, I'm a publicist. I'm like, I don't need one of those. She goes, yeah, you do. I'm like, I didn't even know what one was. So on a leap of faith, I thought, okay, fine. We'll barter and we'll do it. She was genius. I mean, she got me in magazines, journals. She got me listed as the best dentist in LA in LA Magazine, which was huge then. You know, she, she was friends with the editor. She got the whole editorial staff to come in and be my patients. They loved their experience. And so they ranted and raved about my practice. And those things started building up my practice. And, um, you know, I can get more into the whole PR thing, but, you know, it, that was really a, a, a big mind shift for me I never thought as a dentist I would have like a publicist I mean and, and the crazy thing is today I'm probably the best known dentist in the world mm -hmm. <laughs> go figure yeah. right but a lot of things happen and uh, you know I, I always tell kids when they come to leap if there's only two concepts that you walk away from from this whole program these are the two that I think are most important number one don't wait for opportunities in life, make them, you know? I mean, if I meet another millennial who's sitting there waiting for the universe to do something, I wanna scream and pull my hair out. Like the universe doesn't care about you at all. You need to care about you. And number two, when you get an opportunity in life, don't take it, master it. There's a big difference. Yeah. When ABC put me on extreme makeover, dentistry, great. TV, not so good. <laughs> you know, if I watch the first few episodes of that show, I literally stunk. Like they should have fired me, but at least I was smart enough to know how bad I was. So instead of waiting to get fired, I was proactive. I took acting classes, hosting classes, teleprompting classes. I hired the woman who worked with all the kids on American Idol to sit down with me and teach me how to do what we're doing right now, to interview, to talk. I mean, this was not natural for me. It wasn't at all. But, you know, if you practice and you practice and you practice, you know, you get better at things. And there's a big misconception. We always think, you know, practice makes what? Perfect. Wrong. Right. Practice makes permanent yep so with your practicing and you're not getting the results you want don't keep doing that 
get a mentor, get a coach, hire somebody and learn how to do it right because you need to practice it the right way, right? To make it perfect. And so, you know, there was a lot of learning for me, but you know, at the end of the day, it paid off. Yeah, what did your grandmother say? You looked thin? Is that what she said? <laughs> the first time I was on TV. Yeah, I, I said, Gramps, this is a woman who never said anything bad to anybody. I said, Gramps, did you see me on TV? She goes, of course I did. I said, what do you think? She says, you look very skinny. I'm like, but what do you think about what I did? She goes, I'm telling you, you were skinny. <laughs> That's nice. Um, I want to talk a lot about Leap because even though you said like the, the universe doesn't care, I, I, I also believe, and I'm a big Dave Meltzer fan, and he's sort of my mentor at this point, um, that we get in our own way. And so there is abundance out there. And if we get out of the way and we just know what we want and we ask for it and we act accordingly, things come. So this connection with you means a lot to me because of Leap. Before we get to that, do you want to talk a little bit about your own podcast? Just because the Leap part of it for me is, is huge. And I really want to concentrate on that until our time runs out. So, well, I mean, the, the, you know, the, the way that my podcast ties into Leap is Leap is a motivational leadership program for high school and college students that we do every summer. And it's always been at UCLA live. Obviously last year it was virtual. This year, I think we'll have probably a hundred students live and maybe 10,000 virtual. Oh my but gosh. It's been amazing. And you know, if any of your listeners have kids or know of kids 15 to 25, uh, LEAP will be July 18th to the 24th. They could get more information at www.leapfoundation.com. We've had amazing speakers, Paula Abdul, Mark Wahlberg, Anthony Hopkins, Kathy Bates, Michael Strahan, Usher, Apollo Ono, uh, Jason Alexander. I mean, I could go on and on and on. And these people come and they speak to these kids and they, they give them, you know, their, their pearls. They give them, you know, their words of wisdom to help these kids become successful. And it, it's, a, it's an amazing program. And, you know, I, I was always fearful that people would look at Leap as like one and done, like we have them for a week. And, but by putting out content continuously, we're able to stay in touch with the kids and we have the students stay in touch with each other. And so because I've been able to interview all these amazing people, I started this podcast. It's called Meet the Mentor. And every week I, I interview another person. A big part of Leap is mentorship. The program culminates on Friday with a mentor workshop where I bring in doctors and lawyers and firefighters and, and, and writers and actors and actresses and you name it. And the kids get an opportunity to sit and talk to these people one-on-one -on -one and ask them about their careers. And it's so valuable. And it's, it's literally the highlight of the week for these students. So I continue that throughout the year by doing this Meet the Mentor podcast. How's it done? <laughs> crazy i mean we're number one in yemen we're number two in iceland number three in finland and i think i'm 94th in the category of 47,000 of these podcasts in the u.s and um it, it it's 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 been phenomenal and you know the purpose is twofold one 
to keep students engaged and keep you know exposing them to different mentors and two to you know expose parents and friends and family to leap and hopefully they'll send you know their kids to the program so how did this come about like what was the the light bulb that went off for you to say this really speaks to me you know i mean i can imagine you are with all the things that you've done you're super busy and then to then all of a sudden have this light bulb go off and say this is how this is i want to give back and this is how i want to do it you know i've always been very philanthropic and it's funny because, Joe, I, I've had this common theme in my life where every time I've committed to do something purely for philanthropy, it's ended up becoming incredibly successful for me on a monetary basis um, with, with literally no hidden agenda. Uh, and I can give you example after example after example. Um, the first one being Discus Dental. Uh, you know, uh, I was working out at, at the Sports Club LA, which is now in Equinox, and a woman came up to me named Cynthia Hearn, who I didn't know, and said, would you like to help raise money for children's cancer research? Well, I, I wasn't wealthy by any stretch of the imagination, but how can you say no to that, right? Absolutely. So I said, sure. You know, she said, you are a dentist. I said, yes. And she goes and you're single, right? I'm like, yeah, but this is weird. She goes, well, <laughs> we're doing a bachelor auction and we oh. need 10 bachelors <laughs> that we can auction off to a thousand women for this charity. Uh-oh. To be honest with you, that was stupid and humiliating. But out of that, I met Robert Heyman. Robert Heyman was the other bachelor standing in line beside me. By the way, Robert was over last night. We had dinner. We became instant best friends, we're brothers. Yes. And Robert and I started Discus Dental and we literally grew that company from zero to $1.3 billion. And along the way, we've raised over $45 million for children's charities. I mean, a lot of really cool things, but I was exposed to LEAP through a, a, another program that was very much like LEAP. It was a precursor to LEAP. And that program was a program for students where they brought mentors in and they asked me to come as a mentor. And unfortunately, the founder of that program passed away. And when he did, I thought, you know, I'm gonna make this a nonprofit and keep it going. Mm -hmm. So that, that's how I actually got introduced to LEAP. Wow, that's really interesting. Um, so when did this start, by the way? So LEAP has been going this summer would have been our 13th. So the wow. 14th LEAP will come up this summer. Um, but I've been doing the, the program prior to LEAP um, for probably 10 to 15 years before I started LEAP. That's incredible. And when they go out to, you said it's on the uh, UCLA campus? And where are they staying in dorms if they? Right. So okay. students come from all over the world. We get kids from Australia, from New Zealand, from Europe and Asia and Africa, you name it. Um, it it's like a mini UN. It's really fun. We get about 500 kids. They all live in the dorms. And we put on, you know, I think the best program of its type in the world. And a lot of the success of the program is the community. I mean, the I get amazing speakers and they don't charge us. I mean, 
you couldn't afford to pay, you know, Anthony Hopkins, mm-hmm. Mark Wahlberg. I think we'll get Katy Perry this year. I mean, I, 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 we couldn't pay, the, but you know, when I, when I talk to them about the program and they see how much passion we put into this, they say, I'll do it, doc. Yep. I'll do it. And now with Zoom, it makes everything so much easier because they don't even have to show up. You know, prior to the pandemic, if I had told kids, oh yeah, Mark Wahlberg goals, Zoom in, they'd be like, eh. Yeah, right. Now it's like, they, it doesn't, it's like live or Zoom, they're happy to see them. That's incredible. It's just really, uh, it, the reason this speaks to me is because I feel like in the world that we're in, and I'm, I just, I turned 59 in February. So next year is a big year for me. And I think about all the time, and I don't want to say it was wasted or regret or anything, but I think about that we end up trying to repair ourselves as adults on things that might not have happened. Now you had, your life's a little different. You knew exactly what you wanted to do. You followed your path. You're wired differently, your DNA, and you were able to just literally do all of these things. And I'm sure you've had your struggles. So I'm not, I'm not painting this, this picture of, you know, none of that, but it would be so nice to get to these young minds early and explain that the, the world literally is your oyster and you need to follow what you're, and sometimes they don't know, right? So you say, follow your heart. Sometimes they're confused about it. Um, but I love the fact that you're getting to these young minds earlier and you're helping them to understand things sooner. And, and that's why this program speaks to me so much. It, I just think it's incredible. Well, I'll tell you what I have found empirically to be one of the most important factors in all this. You know, when I sit back and I say, you know, what am I most thankful for, you know, for, for my parents? No, they never bought me a car. They never gave me money. They ne- but you know what they did give me? Confidence. And confidence is currency. If you are a parent, the greatest greatest gift that you can give your kids is confidence and the very first thing we do at leap when a kid walks in that door and i open the program i say to him hey when you woke up this morning whether you think you did this or not you put a number on your forehead one's the lowest ten's the highest say how many of you did not put a 10 on your head they raise their hand i said who picked the number you did you have to take a test no did you have to do anything no. I said, wipe it off and put a 10 on there. I said, from now on, I want you to walk like a 10, talk like a 10, act like a 10. But most importantly, surround yourself with other kids that are 10s. Because if you're trying to be a 10 and everybody around you is a two, guess what? <laughs> you become a two. So we give the kids these pop socks <laughs> awesome. to put on their phone, 10. And you want to hear something super crazy? Joe? We sold Discus Dental on 10, 10, 10 at 10 a.m. to Phillips. That's crazy. I think about it. October 10th, 2010, at 9 a.m., the merger documents came. I'm like, this is, you can't write this stuff. I'm waiting till exactly 10 o'clock so that when I go to Leap in 2011, I could tell the kids what a perfect 10 day looks like. And we, I signed that paper. And you know, It was an emotional moment for me. Uh, I always knew as a dentist, I'd be comfortable. I had no 
idea that I had the ability to make the kind of money I made when we mm -hmm. sold my company. It, that, that was like funny money to me. It, right. I didn't even think something like that could happen. I didn't grow up that way, you know? And, you know, and, and I thank my lucky stars every day for, you know, for meeting Robert Heyman, for participating in that charity auction, for, I mean, all the things that led up to that, because I, I wouldn't, I mean, you should see where I'm sitting right now. I'm, I, I, I'm on the 30th floor of this beautiful condominium in, in Century City. You know, I wake up every morning the happiest guy I know and so, so grateful for everything. It's, it's really, it's really been amazing. Well, you know what? Good for you. Well-deserved. I, I can just tell by, I do a, a little bit of research up front for these. I want them to be somewhat spontaneous, but I, when I went and looked at what I felt I wanted to figure out more about who you are, I can tell, I can tell from just how you look at the kids that are part of the LEAP program. I watched one of your talks to them and I, I can tell it really is, it's super important to you and, and you're generous and loving and giving back. And it, it just, it's very, very cool. And I appreciate you. Well, I think my, my, my mantra is learn so you can earn and then return. And I feel if you can really accomplish those three things, you'll have a lot of happiness and, and self-satisfaction in life. So that's really what I focus on. I agree. Well, I literally could talk with you forever. This is amazing. I'm honored that you came on my podcast. What is the best way for someone to get, I guess, in touch with you in regards to uh, what do you prefer? And also the LEAP program. How's, how's yeah, the Yeah, I mean, uh, believe it or not, I'm the only person I know with probably a million followers who actually answers all of their DMs. So Instagram, I don't do TikTok or, or even Facebook, but if you really want to reach me, it's super easy. It's Dr. Bill Dorfman, D-R-B-I-L-L -L Dorfman on Instagram. I promise I answer 100% of my DMs. Um, if, um, if you're interested in the LEAP program, please go to www.leapfoundation.com. Um, you can sign your kids up right now. And um, yeah, I think that's it. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate it. I look forward to, uh, to seeing more about what happens with LEAP. And I definitely want to stay in contact with you. And I wish you all the best. Well, thank you, Joe. I hope you enjoyed this episode, and I want to thank you for listening to my podcast. I know you have many options to listen to various podcasts, and I'm honored that you chose to listen to mine. I would love it if you would rate my podcast five stars and write a nice review. It really helps to bring up the rankings of the podcast to other listeners. Once again, thank you so much for listening to The Joe Costello Show. I appreciate you very much.